So Andrew, you and I will be meeting up in real life in just over a week. Yes, yeah. First time in a while. In fact, if if memory serves, the last time you and I were together in the flesh, you pitched this podcast to me. That is right. That is and actually so, true, yeah. Yeah, and so ever since then, you know, it's been a year and a half of <laughs> falling into constant rabbit holes about infanticide and incest and castration, you name it. So <laughs> couldn't be more grateful. Yes. You've got a high bar. Uh, right. But, you know, I was thinking our upcoming trip, you know, I've been thinking back on some of the travels you and I have, have done over the years, over the decades, really. Yeah. And I have a new yeah. theory. I think these trips were all in their own way foreshadowing this second season of God versus God. Interesting. So hear me out. Shortly after college, you'll recall, you and I went to Las Vegas. Yeah. And I think we both did pretty well at the Luxor, which, of course, is a Egyptian-themed casino and hotel. Right. Now, this was like early 1998, so it was not that far removed from actual ancient Egypt. It was that, that far back. <laughs> All right. But we did okay there. And then just over a decade later, we met up in Memphis, which, of right. course, we now know is named after a city in, in ancient Egypt. True. And on top of all that, in about a week and a half, you and I will be gathering in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> right. uh, where we will presumably visit the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which, of course, is shaped like, you guessed it, a pyramid. No. So this all seems like a coincidence to the casual listener. I don't want to call it like a conspiracy, but I mean, let's face it. We've been we've been dropping hints at this since, uh, you know, for some decades, since yeah, at least many of my coworkers before they were even born. So it's a long time coming. <laughs> so I, I look forward not uh, not only to spending time together again, but uh, to continuing this very slow, very subtle tradition of foreshadowing <laughs> over many decades to come. Uh Anything you would care to add before we jump in? Oh yeah, well it's it's funny you you meant, actually since you're mentioning travel because we're we're off of our usually rigorous every three to six week schedule <laughs> yes, right. because we both were taking uh, separate trips, uh, yes. scouting locations for the eventual uh, season two finale. Uh, you in, in New York and myself in london um so i was i was a little bit nearer to actual egypt though not not quite the full full (laughs) way there but closer dipping my toes in that in that direction yeah yeah um and you know and i did see some egyptian artifacts um gained i'm sure uh completely above board by the british imperial uh, oh 100 yeah official full transparency no, no doubt Right, uh, including an, an obelisk that's hanging hanging out uh, on the Thames shoreline. Oh yeah, and and then the Egyptomania store in in Camden Market. Uh, none of which the items were were actually made in in Egypt uh, that I could find, but certainly not. Um, no. You know, uh, and also when I was there, I want to say I I saw a lot of references to our special Christmas episode, uh, where as you'll recall, the the Puritans banned Christmas. Of course, and possibly put Santa Claus on trial. Right. So when I went to the right, and so I went to the Tower of London on a tour, uh, but unfortunately, the tour guide uh, didn't have any any information on which rooms uh, <laughs> that Santa would have been held in. Uh, he he pretended to have completely ignorant of the topic when I asked him about it. So. I'm sure that is well well orchestrated. I'm sure he has his talking points, and that those are not among them. Yeah, some some topics are just too sensitive to talk about even <laughs> even 400 years later. But well, good on you for trying. I, you know, you can't yeah. you can't beat the effort since you made, we went that far. Good on you. 
Back All right. So I, I think that that's what I have. Okay. Well then let's uh let's without further ado, let's jump in. So welcome, yeah. folks. God versus God, season two, episode four, Sobek versus Isis. Quite a matchup, I think, yeah. this time. Uh, and as always, of course, may the best God win. So I'm gonna start with Sobek. Uh God of the Nile, figure of, of, of great strength, great power. I would say we'll learn in this episode his nature. Very, it's described as complex for sure. Complex and elastic, both like like Velcro. You know, just it keeps changing. You never quite pin it down. And and you know, before I say anything about him, I feel this is a good time to go straight into the the image description uh, feature that okay. we've been doing. So I'm going to pull up an image here on the screen that you will see. No, oh, yeah, I see. Of Sobek. So uh, for the folks at home who lack the visual dimension of this broadcast, right. please uh, describe, if you will, what you see in this image of the iconography of Sobek. All right. So, so what what I'm seeing before me is again the traditional Egyptian pose. We see the shoulders yes. facing towards us, and the feet uh, going on the side of a man, a man's body, um, yes. with the head of a, a crocodile i believe yes. or I, maybe an alligator uh, my my skills aren't that uh <laughs> that advanced in, in yeah. uh, telling the difference but uh I, i'm guessing a crocodile and then on the head on the top of the head of the crocodile is what appears to either be a couple ears of corn mm. or or maybe a um high-rise building with right <laughs> <laughs> and then i think two snakes uh guarding okay. it um and and then he he's he's got maybe being held up by some reeds, yeah. Uh, and he also is holding uh, that traditional ankh, the symbol of life, of and um, the chaos, uh, headed ruler sim- symbol of of rule. That is correct. Uh, and and uh, yeah. So uh, how how did I do? And you did very missed... well. No, as always. So so well done. You 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 called the crocodile head uh, appropriately, and that is a crocodile. There are. Yeah. Subtle differences between the alligator and the crocodile, the shape of their of their snouts. They're a little crocodile's a little more pointy, alligator's a little more weighted. Yeah. So crocodile is correct. Um, and yeah, that crocodile head on a man's body really does cut a quite a figure. It's almost impossible to mistake uh, for anybody right. else. So, like a number of of animal-related deities that we've talked about, including Set from our previous episode. Uh, he is pictured in two different ways. So here we see the crocodile head on the man's body, as you said, but oftentimes. Yep. Uh, Sobek is also depicted just as a crocodile. So we're going to get right. both. This is the traditional version uh, as, as far as the man's body goes. You mentioned the crown. So yes, those are not stalks of years of corn nor are they high-rise buildings. I believe neither of those items had been, were at least available right. to the ancient Egyptians. Uh, That's true, yeah. But it is an ATF crown, as we talked about before. It's okay. got the, the, the what you would look like stalks are actually twisted uh, ram horns, which are part of that traditional crown as well. Those are inspired okay. by Osiris, who uh god of the dead, of course. We covered him yep. earlier. Uh, husband of Isis, who will be part of our discussion in this episode. Uh and you were you were your eagle eye did point out two little mini snakes on either side of right. that the crown. So those are like little <clears throat> little mini co- cobras, something called the Uraeus. That is a, a symbol right. of the crown of sovereignty, royalty, deity, all that stuff saying, I can only wear this because I am large and in charge. <laughs> Um, between those, there is a small solar disc. I'm not sure if you, right. if you caught that. So that is, uh, of course, a tiny version, but reminiscent of Ra, who, of course, has the large yep. version of the sun god for episode one. So all these symbols are going to factor in as we as we hear this story. Okay. 
because in some way, Sobek did have some sort of interaction or even merged being with many of the aspects of these gods. So much, much more to come. Um, you also, you pointed out the Waz Scepter, the Ankh in the hand, the tail, non-erect, right. and of course that form-fitting, delightful golden man skirt that uh, all these yeah. figures are wearing. And they all, they're all in pretty good shape, I got to say. I mean, I, we haven't really mentioned this, but everyone's everyone's looking real cut. I guess they yeah, have, that's true. they're going to have that, but, uh, but you know, they must be eating well, getting their exercise. Right. Um, yeah, so, you know, apart from that association with the crocodile, very hard to miss. Uh, Sobek also known for a number of things. So he's got... Uh, some special powers. He's got what we call pharaonic power. So that is the, the sort of the source of power that is gained by the pharaohs over over the years. They all look back to okay. this sort of initial power uh, that that he has. Also, fertility. We'll hear he's big into to his own fertile self, his fecundity. Uh, okay. Military prowess. A lot of his might translates into uh, protection of soldiers, and that he's mostly known as a protector deity. So he is the one who will protect you from everything that is that is wrong. He will use something called apotropaic powers. Now, that is a special kind of magic. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I needed some to pronounce that correctly, and I, I, I used it wisely. But that is uh, essentially, there's, there's a whole series of bad stuff that got grouped into what was called the evil eye. And this is okay. Egyptian, but it also translates into other, other, other traditions. And this type of magic will just sort of neutralize that evil eye. So over time... It kind of worked its way out down, got diluted into essentially superstition. So things like okay. crossing your fingers, knocking on wood, those are very mild forms of epitropaic magic. Okay. But Sobek predates all that. He used these very real magical powers from their source to protect Egyptians against uh, the many dangers of the Nile River, of which he's associated. So you might think, what's the most dangerous part of the Nile River? Well, my first instinct would be those nasty crocodiles. So Right, sure. Clearly, he's playing a, comp a complex role here. He is both the crocodile and he's protecting you from these dangerous crocodiles. Right. Uh, as much as he protects against those crocs, he's also known for everything in the Nile being dangerous. He is also, we'll learn, being given credit for creating the Nile River. So again, okay. he made the thing that causes the danger right. against which he will protect you. A bit of a racket going on there, but as I said, it's complex. He's layered. So origins, Sobek goes way back. I mean, about as old school as they get. His story begins way in the old kingdom of Egypt. One of the sons of, of Set, one of a subject in episode three. Right. Uh, the other was Neith, who was one of Set's many consorts. She was the ancient goddess of creation. And Sobek's tradition starts very small, very modestly. He's kind of more of a more of a, of a local god, like a minor leaguer of sorts, not, not terribly significant, kind of a local mm -hmm. figure. But he does start to show up in a number of the ancient pyramid texts, which we've talked about. So over time, the tradition builds, and we will find that his arc goes all the way from the beginning to the end. So long-lasting tradition. People are still talking about him, still worshiping Sobek up until the Roman period. So we're talking about a 2,000-year stretch okay. of renown and an increasing in importance over those 2,000 years. So start small, but you'll see he goes to some, some very big places. Uh, the name Sobek, you will not be surprised to hear, has Egyptian origins. So originally yeah. uh, known as, now again, oh, yeah. okay, so say that again. Vowels in hieroglyphics. So <laughs> for for our purposes, we're going to go with Sobek just to to make it more palatable for us and for the listeners. Um, Sobek, it is the meaning of the name. So the name is derived from the verb meaning to impregnate, 
So in our culture today, oh. I believe that is pronounced Nick Cannon. Uh, but to, to impregnate was so back back then, and that was his name from the beginning. So starts in the old days, but it really starts to take off in the Middle Kingdom, thanks essentially to having this one super fan in a very high position. So it is the pharaoh Amenemhet Third. You know, this pharaoh was essentially such a big fan uh, of, of this particular god. He was like the president of, of the Sobek fan club. While he was in charge, he spearheaded all kinds of projects to promote his favorite deity. He had, you know, that era, you see tons of crocodile statues, lots of dedicated temples. He even had a special Sobek temple connected to his own pyramid, the pharaoh did. Oh, so nice. that is what a big deal he was to the pharaoh. It seems excessive, uh, but because of all that pharaoh fandom, it really did raise Sobek's profile, and it became very popular among everybody in Egypt. And, and after this boost in popularity... This is where he starts to really level up by fusing himself with other gods. So we start to see some of this, and and you alluded to it even in the first one and in Ra, how there are some of these gods that kind of come together, they right. become one. Uh, he was really, really into this. So he first experiments with this by becoming fused with Horus, who of course is the falcon-headed god of divine kingship. We heard about his misadventures with Set. Uh, right. They were detailed in in, in, in grotesque levels. In our last episode, even now, I can't look at Salad the same way. Uh, but the falcon-headed god Horus, when they become f- fused, now Sobek becomes promoted to this new level, sort of the major leagues, uh, this divine triad that includes him and his parents, Osiris and Isis, whom you'll hear from in the second half of this program. Yep. So he really yep. is, is building this tradition and through Horus becomes part of this sort of equivalent of the of the Holy Trinity. And so for some time, Sobek is essentially this dual crocodile and falcon god, Sobek Horus. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. I mean, talk about complexity and prominence. You know, a guy with a crocodile head is is, is imposing enough, but now he's part crocodile, part falcon. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about you. I would I wouldn't mess with him. No, but, definitely not. So later still, we get to the new kingdom. Sobek now becomes so popular, he gets the ultimate promotion calls up to, to the show and he gets he fuses with the primary sun god himself, Ra, uh, from episode one. So he now becomes Sobek Ra. And as such, the croc is he's got his crocodile form, but he wears these two symbols, the solar disc, the little cobras. And now he's more than just a protector. He's not just this beacon of fertility. He's essentially he becomes the creator who rose from the dark primeval waters, formed the gods and the rest of the world. So talk about you know a raise in stature. Now in, in that telling, yeah. when he was when he was working hard to create the world as also Ra, uh, he worked up a sweat. The sweat ran down his brow and then down his back in this flowing stream, and that stream of sweat became the Nile River. That was where it came from. And I'm I'm especially right. impressed by this because the fact that the sweat of his creation actually accomplishes more creation is really like just an impressive level of work. I don't know about you, in my case. Sweat typically creates only embarrassment, <laughs> maybe maybe laundry odor, but yes, but rarely uh, anything productive. But not the case uh-huh. with Sobek. That's where the Nile River comes from. And so, yeah, now that Sobek and Ra become one, he's the creator god, and they start singing about him. So Egyptians have this cycle of hymns in his honor. Um, so because of the singing, becomes an even more massive celebrity. Uh, there is a little bit of controversy in his rise. Okay. Now we just assume all this must be divine intervention that these gods are coming together. Some suggested that this merger with Ra was actually a bit of an inside job. So it was an artificial power play by the priests of Sobek 
who thought they would gain uh-huh. more of the upper hand during that period if they connected him with Ra. Now, that's what they say. You and I both know that the the idea of any leader using religious figures to gain political power would never happen. Right. Preposterous. No, no. So I don't buy it for a second, but that is some of the rumors swirling can, around. So right, right. Never again, never since. Um, so he's got lots of cult centers all throughout Egypt as a result of this wave of popularity. Fayum is the name of the region, uh, and particularly the capital of that region is really his sort of the center of his worship, uh, which has the delightful name of Crocodiliopolis <laughs> for, for the crocodile. Yeah. Now you crocodile would think, city. that's right, Crocktown. <laughs> you would think a figure of this popularity would be likable, charismatic. Uh, but I'm afraid you would be wrong. Uh, at least, well, that wouldn't tell the whole story, which is, again, right. complex. So Sobek is known to be rough, aggressive, vicious, not unlike, you know, as you would guess, a crocodile. Um, sure. In fact, it turns out the crocodiles from the Nile, and this is, I guess, still said to be true, have a special reputation for being particularly rough. Like that, the, the Nile variety itself, they can do things others can't. So they've got very strong stomachs. Uh, that allow them to be both to eat both living and rotting flesh, whichever they prefer. So they're able to have a nice, robust <laughs> variety of diet. Yeah. Uh, they also are known for being rather strategic. They will sometimes kill an animal for food, but they will bury it and save it for later. So that will feed into Sobek's association with death and rebirth, which comes in a little later. But yeah, like those now crocodiles, Sobek known for being ferocious, moving quickly, having this bit of a chaotic streak. There's a, there's a particular spell from the pyramid text that I think describes this well. It's talking about a pharaoh, but essentially describing Sobek. And I'll paraphrase. He is green of plumage with alert face and raised lore, the splashing one. He will eat with his mouth. He will copulate with his penis. He is lord of semen who takes women from their husbands to the place he likes according to his heart's fancy. So very specific. Uh, <laughs> Bit of a tough character, you could say. Takes what he wants. Clearly revels in his own sense of fecundity. Um, The other kind of epithets you hear about Sobek, they make him out to be a real piece of work. So one is he who loves loves robbery, which, you know, based on that description makes sense. That tracks. Um, He was also known as pointed of teeth, which, again, is a crocodile. Yeah. But I think the most memorable one, the epithet is he who eats while he also mates. Now, this is interesting. We immediately you're reminded of another mythical figure from a much later era. Of course, George Costanza, uh, the <laughs> contemporary god of, you know, pettiness, lassitude. And of course, in one episode, he was known to prepare himself a sandwich for his own enjoyment immediately following uh, the act of lovemaking. Sobek takes it a step further. He apparently just chows right down in the middle of, of his romantic action. So doesn't even wait to be finished, just gets down to, to eating <laughs> while he's getting down to business quirky complex yeah now these are all rather rough aspects of character it's not all bad because of his fusion with horus i guess retroactively becomes part of the story we told in episode two where of course osiris is killed by set cut into 16 pieces this beloved king so as part of this sort of retroactive story sobek ends up getting credit to be the one who healed osiris by putting him back together Hmm. Um, so this leads to a very specific nickname which is he who unites the dismembered limbs of Osiris, which again, <laughs> very good in its specificity. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but he he yeah. he's beloved for that. 
good improvement to his reputation at that point. I mean, you're thinking one minute he's known for, I guess, urinating and having dinner during uh, acts of romance. The next he's magically reconstructing a beloved king piece by piece. So continuing this upswing of, of stature. And with this change, he becomes known as the ultimate protector deity. He's got the magic. He can put it all together. He can even heal a broken king. So with that, he uses his magic, wards off evil, defends the innocent, sticks out for the little guy. And of course, this transfers to the military as well, where soldiers, when they're wounded in battle, he or even killed, he's going to use that magic to restore them to their previous health. He will bring back their sight, uh, their senses, even in some case brings back their lives. But even with all these variations, multiple gods, sure. multiple dimensions, Sobek always found a way to just stay on brand with his worshipers. And of course, that always came down to the crocodile. So right. it's very common to leave a votive offering for God at a temple when you're in the midst of worshiping. At some point, there were a few fans of Sobek who really felt strongly about taking the bodies of actual crocodiles, preserving them as mummies, and then leaving right. those mummy crocodiles at his, as offerings at his cultic centers. So people then competed not to be outdone. Some worshipers would not just do that. They would mummify the eggs of crocodiles and they would lead, leave that at the foot of the temple as a sort of note to the cyclical nature of death and rebirth with his association sure. with Ra. Then you've got people who are raising crocodiles, treating them like sacred animals. Sometimes it's happening in people, you know, in, in the temple itself. They're, they're they're considering the crocodile to be an incarnation, like a living version of Sobek. And then right. after they die. Pet crocodiles. Well, I, I hesitate well. to use the word pet because I think they, <laughs> okay. they let them alone, but they they certainly did not uh, mess with them. And when right. they died of, of natural causes, then they would give them the full mummy treatment. And, and unsurprisingly, most of this happened in the main temple of Crocodiliopolis. Yes. Very fitting. So surprisingly, these mummies were discovered then thousands of years later, not too long ago from our, our current day, uh, still in remarkable shape, having been mummified uh, in some cases. Sobek super fans would actually mummify crocodiles with baby crocodiles in their mouths or on their backs. Just everybody's right. trying to one-up, do better performance art. Uh, but it had meaning too. Apparently crocodiles are among the few reptiles that actually care about their young. Most of them don't. And they do, in fact, transport their offspring in this way, in their mouths or on their backs. So it is both biologically accurate, but it has right. that nice symbolism of Sobek being fierce, but also protective. Again, complex. So there is a crocodile museum in Egypt uh, to this day. There's a collection of mummified crocodiles. As you can imagine, that is the, the main attraction. And around all this, we don't have a lot of stories about stuff that Sobek actually did. You know, it was a, right. a lot of the people liked him. Uh, the fact that he, you know, he was very popular. He attached himself to other powerful beings to gain a notoriety. So I think he was kind of the, among the first to be sort of in our own times terms, famous for being famous. He was sort of a right. proto-Kardashianic figure. <laughs> like. Yet, you know, in, in wrapping it all up, this, this Sobek story is a remarkable rise, almost a sort of rags to riches. He was always a god, but he was he went from the miners to the show. Um, grew from this this sort of humble local deity, deity to becoming one with the creator, the top shelf, the sun god himself. And I think both the dark side and the light being, you know, yeah. sort of on one hand, a wanton impregnator on the other hand a, a divine protector but had a good sense of how to pick the right partner how to then fuse with them become them and the people ate it up you know all the way down to raising and mummifying crocodiles and crocodile eggs which you know when you think about it not an easy task at, at any step yeah. in that process so that's commitment <laughs> so 
maybe Sobek was was a vessel for the changing needs. He was around for 2,000 years, so times are about bound to change, and he kind of kept up with the current day. Um, maybe he was a vehicle for some of those priests to gain political power as they lorded over their fancy local, you know, crocodile mummy establishments. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that you can't deny, in any case, he certainly over a long time meant a lot to a lot of people. And frankly, given his strength and, and vicious nature, if I ever had a problem with Sobek, I certainly would not say it to his big, long, toothy crocodile face. I can say that <laughs> with confidence. No. No, so there it is. There is Sobek, god of the Nile, and many in all of his complexity and elasticity before you. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, a formidable contestant, I think. Uh, will certainly be interesting to hear in, in the categories how he fares due to that complexity. But uh, we'll get there. In the meantime, uh, let's take a breather and we'll be right back with Isis in part two. Very well. All right. All right, and we are back for our second deity in this episode, and that is the goddess Isis. So we've met Isis before in the podcast a couple of times. Uh, she played a significant supporting role for her husband slash brother uh, Osiris, and uh, she opposed her other brother Set when he took on her son Horus in our last episode. Yes. Um, but beyond these myths, Isis had a number of roles in Egyptian religion, and those jo roles generally expanded as time went on, much as we heard with Sobek. Um, but there were a couple of near constants, uh, which were her connection to motherhood, to magic, to healing, and the pharaohs and the royal family. So we're going to hear about all those uh, coming up. Now, those are kind of near constants um, because the name Isis itself actually comes from the Egyptian word for throne. And, and the hieroglyphic version of that uh, even has a little throne picture in it. Mm. Um, and this has led to some speculation by at least some Egyptologists that Isis started her career, in fact, as a deified chair. Wow. Or a, a, a divine royal barca lounger Start, so starting from lowly furniture <laughs> yeah so you went to rags to riches so so that that's yeah. that's possibly her story now there's okay. not a lot of evidence for actual chair worship among ancient egyptians mm -hmm. but there is that definite linguistic connection so so it's possible interesting uh so with that i think we're going to go to our uh, sharing of the image uh, so that Matt can give everybody a description of Isis. And I'm actually going to show him two images. So we got mm. double, double the pleasure here. All right. All right, Matt, can you see that now? Yes, I can. Uh, it is a All very right. detailed image. So we're looking at, uh, it looks like a, a woman sitting in some kind of, looks like a somewhat difficult yoga position, <laughs> sitting down, with, looks like the right leg over the left. I'd have a hard time with that one. Um, uh, Torso still bent the other way, so she's getting a good good stretch action out of the, out of that yoga pose. Arms outstretched, uh, but clearly some very ornate wings uh, coming from yes. both left and right arm, uh, patterned but very big, almost larger than her body itself. And it looks like a typical sort of you know almost like a 
headdress of some kind, some kind of cool headband. And I don't know if the there's a little sort of a blocky object at the top of her head that looks like it right. might be connected as 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 some kind of uh, headpiece as well. And she's sitting on what looks to be uh, some sort of uh, early Egyptian running trampoline of some kind. Uh, <laughs> looks like it's got a little bounce to it. Very ornate. And of course, in the background, all sorts of hieroglyphics and, and a very detailed, uh, looks like a wallpaper behind her. Right. Um, that 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 is correct. So this is an adaptation of uh, an Egyptian tomb painting, mm. uh, sort of modernized. Okay. Um, and she does indeed have the wings, which is uh, something she wasn't always shown with, but mm. uh, I think became more prevalent later. Yeah. And and that is because of her association with the kite, uh, the bird, the kite, uh-huh. uh, not not the stringed. And you talk about the headdress there, which is kind of a I would I would describe it as a Tetris looking object. Yes, that, uh, that but is, that yeah. that is in fact that throne. That is the hieroglyphic for a throne, oh. which is on her head. And and so the the trampoline that you're mentioning is is also a throne. So she's sitting on a throne, and she has a throne on her head. So she's head just, throne, body throne. Her name yeah. comes from a throne. This is this is incredibly throne centric. I'm I'm very impressed. Yeah. So so and there we have it. And and, and I I think the. Hard to describe the the uh, position that she's in, but she is sort of kneeling yeah. on the throne, one one foot behind, underneath her, and one sort of uh, with the knee up to the side. I, I do think probably getting a good stretch after sitting on the throne all day, no doubt. Um, and and even the the sort of dress she's wearing, the bottom half kind of resembles some almost some yoga pants, some some Lululemons <laughs> with a little bit of pattern on them. So that was those would be very yeah, does it. very much at home in in a yoga circle. Yeah, those would be very fashionable today. So, <laughs> all right. So, I'm going to uh, give you the next image uh, and see if you can uh, see this. Well, that sure looks like uh, beloved actress Elizabeth Taylor. Um, that it is. If I'm not mistaken, wearing uh, what appears to be a very ornate gold fashioned outfit, gold, uh, nice plunging neckline to, uh, to, uh, show off some of, of Miss Taylor's assets, but also uh, almost it looks like those uh, the left and right shoulders, the, the gold coming down could be in the, in the form of wings. Uh, looks like a little almost that, a little yep. scaly. Very ornate headdress uh, coming up to the top, and it looks like almost a solar disc um, at the top or the the sort of base of the headdress. Yes. Uh, almost like these sort of golden flames licking up to it, and then it looks like a past the the top frame of the picture looks like another sort of very high uh, type of of headpiece, but a lot of gold. Um, Elizabeth Taylor looking fantastic. So it's, it's a lovely picture and, and, and yeah, good, good selection. Right. Yeah. I think you, you picked up the, the, the big items here. Um, and I wanted, wanted to show this because this is Elizabeth Taylor in, uh, the movie, uh, Cleopatra. Yeah. Uh, dressed as Cleopatra dressed as Isis. Okay. So, little so it's layers a costume move. Yeah. Going, going on there that, but Cleopatra did in fact, uh, at times style herself as Isis and, and would okay. dress up as the goddess. Uh, and that sun headdress, see that in the later days, uh, Isis kind of moved on from the throne and she borrowed from Hathor from, uh, yes. uh, from uh, episode one with yep. uh, the sun uh, array. So that that's, that's, right. that's that. And I'll, I'll put these up on our socials for, uh, for the people. Yes. Um, uh, for the multimedia experience. <laughs> yes, for the multimedia experience. So if you're listening to this, you can look us up on the socials and, and get all, all these pictures and, right. and have it in your mind as we go through this episode. Yes. So um, 
back, you know, back in the the Osiris episode, uh, because Osiris, you know, he starts it, he's on a goodwill tour, and then he gets put in a box and he's nearly dead. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back to life and then he's extremely dead and, and finally undead. Yes. Uh, you because know, he's got a lot going on. It, it's really Isis uh, who carried the action for Team Osiris uh, since um, much of the time that he was either in a box or or, or deceased. Right. Um, when Osiris is closed up in the coffin and floated down the Nile, it is Isis along with her sister, Nephthys, who mourn Osiris uh, very loudly in an extended fashion that's can really kind of become an iconic display of grief and lamentation and set the bar uh, for funerals for thousands of years in, in Egypt. Great. Um, and it's Isis in the form of a bird, uh, again, with those wings, who scours the earth to find Osiris. It, it's Isis possibly with, with the help of Thoth uh, or, or, or maybe um, Sobek, who, who mm. resuscitated Osiris and then after Set again kills Osiris and dismembered him, uh, at least in her version, it's Isis who hunts down the parts, uh, with the exception of, of, of his member. Um, yes. But again, it's Isis who uses her magic to get around that uh, anatomical inconvenience. That's right. And get herself pregnant with Hor Horus. So, you know, I imagine as the story gets told and retold, uh, you know, kind of the obvious centrality of Isis is is kind of hard to miss and likely pushes her more and more to the front of the pantheon um, because she becomes more and more popular over this time. Sure. Um, but even more than heroic efforts, you know, on her, frankly, somewhat hapless husband's behalf, uh, it's it's the period between the second death of Osiris and the contendings of Horus and Set that really kind of make Isis the popular figure that she eventually is going to become. Um, yeah, so, so to set the scene here, uh, Set has just killed her husband and, and the father of her unborn child for the second time. Right. And Set, again, the god of chaos, has made himself pharaoh of Egypt and would undoubtedly kill said child with, with barely a second thought. Sure. Uh, so so things things are looking bad for Isis at this mm -hmm. point. Um and then Thoth, uh, god of wisdom and her advisor, uh, and according to Plutarch and, and some later traditions, actually her father, um oh. he advises her to go into hiding during her pregnancy and disguise herself as a mortal woman. And so that's what she does. And she goes into that Fayum uh, area that that marshy uh dial. Uh, Nile Delta region, uh, where the river uh, lets out into the Mediterranean and and, and hides out there. Mm. So, eventually, she does deliver Horus, and, and things are, are fine with that. Uh, but she has to keep on the move to keep ahead of Seth's agents. Uh, now, with a baby in tow, so she has to acquire some protection, which she does in the form of seven scorpion deities that travel with her at this time. So she's dressed, so she's looking for shelter. She's dressed in rags. She's carrying a baby with seven uh, scorpions circling around her. Uh, and she goes up to this residence of a wealthy woman in, in this village and, and asks for shelter. Uh, but the woman 
takes one look at this motley and, and venomous crew and says, you know, no thanks. Uh, closes the door, puts out the no solicitation sign. Right. But across the street is, is, a, is a poor woman who sees this. Uh, and she's a little more generous and a little more uh, scorpion friendly, I guess. Sure. So she, she invites Isis and the crew in. Um, so, you know, all would be good, but the scorpion ringleader, who, who's a scorpion god named Tefan, Decides that you know this diss to ISIS or this this anti-scorpion bias will not stand. No. So so he gets the rest of the the other six scorpions to give him some of his venom, some of their venom to boost him up in strength, and then he breaks into the rich lady's house and stings her son, bringing the child to near death. Uh, you know, in order to teach her a lesson about uh, not letting scorpions into your uh, house. How else will they learn? Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, but luckily for the kid and and, and the lady, um, she's you know she starts screaming. But Isis is, is much more forgiving than the scorpions. Mm-hmm. So she she finds the boy and uses a magic spell to pull the poison out of the kid and save the child. Nice. And so now the rich woman she she realizes you know oh it was a a goddess that I turned away and she, she's very chagrined, embarrassed. Uh, so she gives all of her wealth to the poor woman from across the street wow. uh, who, who helped ISIS, you know, maybe with a little trust fund for, for the kids. So he, <laughs> he can go to Memphis university or something like that. But that, that detail's not in there, but um, so, but this story and there's the similar ones from this time it always show ISIS as, as vulnerable uh, as a healer, as a wanderer, and a, as a friend uh, to the poor hmm. uh, in in Egypt, so and that that's kind of what brings her a lot of a lot of this popularity that she's going to have. Now, another constant of Isis is that she she's very clever and, and just a little bit of a trickster. So hmm. at some point, and, and it's hard to say when, um, Isis wanted something from Ra that that he wasn't giving her. So one version is that she that Ra was flying the solar bark too close to the earth mm. and making the earth too hot and everyone miserable. Sure. And and she needed to get him to, to back it up a little bit. Um more commonly, it's either because she needed help getting pregnant with her with her twice dead mutilated husband, or because she wanted to gain power for baby Horace after he was born. Sure. Um you know, and we, we can take our pick. Um, I think any of the three reasons would be consistent with uh, Isis's character. Agreed. Uh, I sort of lean to the protecting Horus one, um, you know, because we've heard a lot about Isis's post-mortem pregnancy, and, and usually the story of Ra helping out isn't in there. <laughs> uh, w- with the solar bark, you know, we also know that Ra really wasn't directly captaining the ship. It was... Uh, Thoth and Mahat, the goddess of divine order. So those deities seem like pretty steady hands, like they're not gonna fly fly too low uh, just right. for a joyride. Right. So and we and we do know that Isis had plenty of ambition for herself and and certainly for her son. Yes. Uh, so in any case, um you'll recall that, that Ra takes that daily journey across the sky mm-hmm. and as he does, so he ages every day, starting out as a newborn in the morning 
and a very very old man by sunset right right um and and we know that at times uh some very elderly people you know have a little little trouble controlling their mouths uh <laughs> and uh that can lead to a little bit of drooling sure sometimes sure. yeah right? so um and this is apparently what was the case with raw uh, as we get towards sunset. Hmm. He gets a little bit, a little bit drooly, okay, uh, as he's <laughs> as he's slipping in, into the duod, into the underworld. Right now, Isis noticed this, uh, and she sees like a pool of raw saliva had had hmm. fallen into the dirt, and so she's thinking quickly. She forms a plan. She mixes that divine saliva with the dirt into makes make a clay, and she forms the clay into a hooded cobra. Oh. Now, it's important to note that Isis doesn't need to use her own magic to do this. The, the cobra comes to life based on the divine power in raw saliva, which, mm -hmm. we, of course, we've seen many times, created the Nile, created the other gods with different bodily fluids. So, yes. Egyptians uh, are big case, fans of uh, divine bodily fluids, really taking on a life of their own. Yes. And in this case, the, the life of its own is, is a snake. Yes. Uh and so, so she places the spit cobra, she, you know, travels all night and places it along the very start of his morning path. Mm -hmm. And so in this story uh, called The Name of Ra, we get this. In the morning came Ra and his train in their glory journeying to the western horizon. And the serpent shot out its pointed head, which was shaped like a dart, and its fangs sank into the flesh of Ra. And the fire of its poison entered into the god, where the divine substance was in the serpent. Ra cried out, and his cry rang through the heavens from the eastern to the western horizon. Along the earth it rang, and gods and men alike heard the cry of Ra. So the poison starts to work through Ra, and he's, he's just in agony. He's feverish. He has the chills. And because this snake venom is derived from Ra's own power, it is the worst thing he has ever felt. Goodness. And so he calls all the gods with some power of healing for help. And then, and this, of course, includes Isis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is part of her plan. So Isis looks over Ra and says, oh, wow, this looks pretty bad. I wonder what happened here. <laughs> you know? Uh, but I... So bad. I think the only way I can cure you is if you tell me your secret true name. Oh. Now, 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 Ra's secret name is a big deal. The Egyptians thought that a magician would need to know your secret true name in order to be able to cast any spells against you, for example. Mm. Uh, and of course, this is the true name of the ultimate powerful creator deity. So at first, even though he's in agony, Ra is is very reluctant and, and he resists telling her. Uh, but she's saying, nothing I can do unless you tell me your 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 true name. Yeah. So eventually the pain's too great and he has no choice. So he clears everyone else off of the sunboat, off the solar bark, mm -hmm. and calls Isis in. So just her, she will be the one, only person to hear hear this one right. deity. Uh and he let his true name pass from his heart to Isis's heart. And so back in the text we get, when the name came forth from the heart of Ra to pass to the heart of Isis, the goddess spoke to Ra and said, Bind thyself with an oath, O Ra, 
that thou will give thy two eyes unto Horus. And now the two eyes of Ra, that are the sun and the moon, and men call them the eyes of Horus to this day. Hmm. So when we get to Horus, we'll find that he he has this association, has some sort of power with the sun and the moon, and it is from, at least according to this story, uh, his mother's trick on Ra. So because his mother shook it. down the the most powerful god in the universe with the with, with her own with the disease of of his own spit spit snake. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Got so it. she does cure Ra. But from there on, she retains some power over him because she is the only entity that knows his true name right. in the universe. So again, where others may have been a bit grossed out seeing uh, some drool lying on the ground, Isis saw an opportunity and, and she she took it ruthlessly. Smart. And that does yeah. make a lot more sense for the benefit of her son than it would just because it's hot out. That feels like yeah. an <laughs> elaborate plan for uh, just saying cool it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that it does it does. So uh so another little story about Isis' ingenuity and, and her advocacy for Horus. So uh you know, at the start of the contendings of Horus and Set, uh when they're starting this trial to see who's gonna rule Egypt, the judges decided to move the trial off to an island in the middle of the Nile, you know, kind of sequester the jury, right. uh, remove any outside inter interference. Away from but, the media, yeah. Yeah. But Isis doesn't let that stop her. So she she bribes the ferryman to to bring her over as well, and then disguises herself as a beautiful mortal woman in order to get Set to fall in love with her, oh. uh, which he does. And then she tells him this tragic story of her son being dispossessed of his cattle by a squatter after her, her mortal husband has died, and Set fell failing to recognize the thinly veiled parallels with his own story yes. declares that this is just a total outrage and he's, he's going to defend her son. Uh, but Isis then reveals herself and turns herself into a kite and flies off to tell the judges uh, <laughs> it said has admitted uh, that he's in the wrong, but unfortunately this uh, Perry Mason moment doesn't really go anywhere. Probably not admissible in court either under false pretenses. Yeah, well, Maybe, but, but someone someone suggests maybe they should have a, a breath holding contest as hippos, which the rest is obviously, history. <laughs> yeah, obviously every everybody jumps on that idea. Yeah. Far more legally sound. Yeah, yeah. What about that's a better way to to pick a hippo, or for to pick a pharaoh. So, um, in that hippo episode, though, uh, we know that Isis again inserts herself, throwing that harpoon at Set. Uh, and it hit, hitting uh, her son Horace, but eventually hitting Set. Right. But she does spare him, as you'll recall, getting her head chopped off by her son Horace uh, yes. for her trouble. Yes. Uh, but in one version, I don't think this was mentioned uh, last episode. Her head was actually replaced with a cow's head. Oh, really? At least no. temporary. That 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 was all that Thoth could find <laughs> lying around, and so he just <laughs> you got to put something cow's on, head on it. Okay. Yeah. Um. Now she's not often pictured that way, so we have to think that that they that was more of a temporary sure. uh, solution. Um, now, eventually, uh, of course, Horus does defeat Set, and, and he becomes pharaoh of Egypt. Um, Isis herself continues to have a number number of roles after the Osiris Set Horus myth cycle. 
Uh, she becomes a protector of women and children. She becomes the leading healing deity in Egypt. Uh, she's also a protector of the souls in the Duat. Um, and then in later Ptolemaic era, Isis actually gets a new husband. So she she has oh, a second really? husband who okay the the underworld and wealth deity Serapis. Uh, so she gets she gets married to him. So you that's know. an interesting choice because of course her first husband Osiris is sort of shipped off to the underworld. He yes, down there in retirement. So he's down there shortly after he's reconstituted. Eighty years go by in the contendings of Horus and Set. So she's right. been essentially on her own for quite a while. But then yeah. to hook up with a guy who's essentially the coworker of the first <laughs> in the underworld, it's a bold choice. Yeah, I, I think he's got more of a day pass, goes back and forth. <laughs> okay. uh, so, so I guess I guess that works out. But um, now she was also by far the most successful crossover deity from the Egyptian pantheon. Mm. You know, so, for example, the Roman novelist Apuleius Lucius uh writing in the second century CE uh, for his novel, The Golden Ass, uh, has his character, the main character that, who spends the better type part of the book trapped as a donkey uh, after a botched spell that was supposed to transform him into a bird, turn, turns him into a donkey instead. So, you know, we, we, we've all been there. So. Sure. I mean, <laughs> <that's what you're laughs> who, who hasn't? <laughs> um, however, he he is finally saved from this uh, predicament when one night before bed, as, as a donkey, he prays to Isis, and his prayers is answered by the goddess in a dream. Mm. And in the dream, Isis rises out of the sea uh, with the light of the moon shining on her forehead, carrying serpents in one hand and, and sheaves of grain in the other. So, you know, your typical beachside stroll with your serpents and grain. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, she announces herself as a goddess known by many names, uh, but chief among them Isis. And, and from the novel, it says, she says, the Phrygians call me the mother of gods, the Athenians Minerva, the Cyprians Venus, some Juno, others Hecate, but principally the Ethiopians in the East and the Egyptians who are excellent in all manner of doctrine and who worship me. By the proper ceremonies, call me Queen Isis. Hmm. So she has become kind of a catch-all deity, uh, but known as, known as Isis. So then she tells him uh, how to get a rose, which what is what he needs to do is eat a rose to reverse the spell. <laughs> and one of her priests uh, hands it to him the next day. And afterwards, he, he dedicates himself to the mystery uh, cult of Isis. So... Again, they have many roles for Isis, goddess of healing, magic, motherhood, um, which, you know, sounds like an expensive retreat weekend, <laughs> but is, in fact, uh, a candidate for a spot in the quest for the golden ale. Very nice. Interesting. Wow. So so where the first segment had a god who was sort of becoming other gods and fusing with them, here you had Isis essentially over time having a reputation that was borrowed by other cultures and sort of became yeah. Isis was still her core, but interesting. So a couple of, yeah. uh, a couple of real collectors here in different ways. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, a couple did of not, climbers did not have that sense of Isis being as much of a trickster as uh, those stories would reveal. Yeah, no, she, she had that side for sure. 
I like it. Very good. Well done. Well, this should this should be a, a, an interesting matchup as we get Definitely. into our rounds. Uh, so let's uh, let's do that. Right on the other side of this little break. All right. And we are back for our categories. We have five categories that are going to decide which one of these gods moves on to the final rounds with a chance to get that gold nail and eventually come back and help us save this troubled world. So first category is immortal combat. And that is, again, a physical confrontation between the two deities and, and who would win. So um, now outright physical violence is not really Isis's thing. Hmm. Um, she She's certainly willing to throw a magic harpoon every once in a while. Sure. With, with questionable <laughs> aim sometimes, but yes, willing to throw it. Yeah. Even if her aim is not the greatest, but um, and in that story, again, she didn't finish the job uh, because it was her brother. She was attacking, even though it was her brother who had already, uh, Killed her husband and, and was trying to kill her son. So, but I'm uh, your brother. Help me out, and it worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so she does lack a little bit of the killer instinct. Yes. Um, you know, she she can turn into a kite, uh, which is a, which is a very mobile bird. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, some mobility there. But I don't know how much that gets you. Um, now, when we talk about entourage, she she did have those seven uh, deadly scorpions. Scorpions, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are who are capable of almost killing a child when you <laughs> combine their power together when that's with so, extra venom so yeah yeah yeah, yeah so <laughs> yeah um but you know but again she she is very crafty and clever yes. um and, and she certainly i think would be capable of setting a very clever trap uh and, and getting away with it hmm. you know of course we saw that with setting the trap uh for raw um, and you know, in some ways, she actually reminds me of uh, Hephaestus, Vulcan Hephaestus. Oh yeah, uh, from the Greco-Roman series, who wasn't one for physical confrontation, but absolutely, you would not want to be in a long-term feud. No, uh, with him, and I think Very that clever. goes for Isis. Yes. Um, however, if, if you will recall that uh, he did not win his his immortal combat round, um, so. So, so, so good, some good and bad, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we think that Sobek would be a, be all right in this category. What Sobek's pretty strong that? in the category. I mean, uh, you know, known as his great protector, symbolic of the military, so so synonymous with with you know the fighting forces. Uh, yep. In terms of willingness, clearly willing to to get what he wants, whether it's through stealing stuff, whether it's through sexual coercion, having a meal during lovemaking, whatever he wants, he he is willing to go get it. Uh, yeah. he, you know, he also has magic as his disposal, as does Isis. So um, yeah. he also has control over all water, which is kind of interesting. So Ooh. because he created and, and arose out of the Nile, he has these powers to control water. I didn't mention that, but that yeah. is an interesting sort of bit of the tool set if he needs it. Uh, also, the question here, you know, does he also get the powers of the gods that he merges with? So it depends where this confrontation takes place. So if he is in his... Horus phase, does he also have the ability to 
use a falcon head along with his crocodile powers? <laughs> does he does he take on, say, the willingness to decapitate his own mother? Because that would be very relevant <laughs> in this be, confrontation because yeah. Isis would be that mother. So if he does take on those those powers of the, the Mergy, um, that's that could be kind of a death blow. Also, I have to think because you know he's often he's depicted not just as a guy with a crocodile head, but often the whole crocodile. He must have the right. same skills that a crocodile would have. So he can do weird stuff. He can sleep with one eye open like crocodiles can. He can <laughs> stay underwater for a whole hour if he wants to. Yeah. He can go without a meal for a whole year. Um, so all those crocodile talents are are built into his part and parcel. Probably the biggest sure. one, though, the 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 one that takes it over the edge, you know. The jaws of a crocodile can apply 5,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. And that is the strongest bite of any animal on the earth. So wow, if nothing else, if you take away the scorpions, if you take away the willingness to fight, that is a that is a very, very lethal uh, death blow from, from the snout of the crocodile. So right. all those things combined, uh, with all due respect to Isis and her craftiness uh, and her, her magical capabilities, I think the magic of Sobek kind of evens those out in these extra crocodile powers, along with that secret water power. I think that would give him the yeah. edge. So I think he takes, he takes the vote uh, in this round for me. All right. Well, I think there are two things that, that stand out for me with him is one is obviously that, that powerful bite. And I did not know that that was the most powerful uh, bite, right? I think you gotta get some points for that. And then also he has that kind of wonder twin powers uh, to control water. Yes. Uh, now, if you'll recall from the 70s cartoon uh, or 80s cartoon, um, the Wonder Twin Powers, he, he would often use it to form ice. That's right. Yes. But I, I don't know that the Egyptians were that familiar with ice uh, living in sort of the <laughs> subtropical area before refrigeration. So he probably, probably didn't, not. didn't use that one too much. But still, yeah. uh, I think I got I got to go with Sobek on this one, that Agreed. he is the winner of Immortal Combat. Yes. All right, very good. So uh, we'll see if I put these in the right order this time. Uh, <laughs> and then we have uh, Curriculum Deity. Yes. Which is, uh, who would you rather be? Who would you rather worship? Which god has that it factor? Yeah. And as it's tradition, uh, I think you go first in this one. Yeah, so be being Sobek's a hard one, because you seem most of the time like kind of a vicious, entitled jerk really i mean really just a rough personality um on the other hand what would it be like to actually be a crocodile and here's where again there are pros and cons right at least from from where i'm sitting so you can live to be as old as 75 years old all right not bad yeah. could be better but 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 not bad um crocodiles are carnivores they're eating mammals birds and fish which i already do so <laughs> not much adjustment there sounds good crocodiles have excellent hearing and eyesight which I most certainly do not. So that's a step up. And they're also very fast. They can swim up to 22 miles per hour. They can run up to 11 miles per hour. That's got to vastly out, out, <laughs> outpace anything I could do. Um, but you think they're they're hard of emotion. You know, they're not emotional creatures. So yes, mm -hmm. a lot of physical strength. Well, you've heard the phrase crocodile tears, where you're sort right. of crying, but it appears insincere. It turns out crocodiles do actually weep when they're eating their prey. But it is not emotional. It's strictly for biological reasons because there's a lot of hissing and huffing involved. It's just, it requires physical exertion that causes the tears to flow. But when I eat something really good, I do occasionally weep emotionally. So I, I, I could get used to that too. So B is, 
a bit of a mixed bag, but yeah. a lot of more pros than I would have thought in, yeah. in purely the crocodile department. In terms of worshiping, pretty good. Uh, as I said, very popular. So lots of cult centers, lots of existing you know, artwork, sculptures. The priests are working hard. Um, you've got song cycles you can sing. So there's there's sort of built a built-in sort of musical aspect to the worship. If one wants to to take on a hobby, the opportunity to make mummies of crocodiles, <laughs> crocodile eggs, you know, great way to sort of dabble in animal husbandry, mummifying. If you want some arts and crafts, could be a good sort of stress release. Yeah. Um, and the fact is, in terms of if you're going to choose who to worship, he was a winner. You know, he kept doing better and better, kept getting stronger and stronger. So if you, you know, as the world got complicated, if you needed protection from this this troubled world, he was a good way to go. So I think I think Sobek scores pretty highly on on worshiping. Um, so yeah, I'd say pros and cons, but pretty decent on B and pretty pretty hard cut thumbs up for for worship. All right, interesting. All right, so so Isis, you know, she has. A- bit of a mixed bag of a life. So she, she started off with, with a seemingly uh, good marriage. Um, Osiris, by all accounts, was a kind, wise, uh, charismatic right. uh, figure. Uh, but then, you know, that husband is assassinated uh, multiple times. Um, and she has that extended period of, of danger and wondering. Um, but ultimately, Isis does end up uh, being triumphant with her and increasing her own power. She, of course, uh, could turn into pretty much any animal, but her, her go-to uh, animal was the kite, which is uh, a bird of prey, uh, kind of a hawk with a piercing, mournful cry. And mm. uh, Egyptian kites, uh, according to the Wonder of Birds website, says that this bird is a great thief and makes much havoc among poultry. Oh. It is a robber of other birds. And if it happens to see a weaker bird with food, it is sure to attack and rob it. Ah. It is fond of society of man and has been known to haunt the villages of East Asia in great numbers for the purpose of letting offal, which is uh, discarded organ meat, right. which may be flung into the streets. Okay. So, so you know, so she could do that. Uh, you want to hang out, rob some other birds, eat some offal. Uh, she, she's got that. Now, now she has her, her role as a healer at, and helper in the underworld of deserving souls. Um, and eventually uh, finding her own wealthy Greek second husband, uh, hmm. much like Jackie Onassis. Right. So, so, so some, some interesting points there. Good, good, good and bad. It's the, yeah. you know, the, the ultimate victory of seeing her son triumphant and on the throne, uh, but has a lot of hardship. So in terms of worship, it, it it's interesting there because it, it changes quite a bit as time goes on, uh, you know, for, from the speculation about her being worshiped as a deified chair in the earliest days uh, to really kind of a universal goddess later on. Um, one long-term role was in mourning, um, and the, so there was the lamentations of Nephthys and and Isis after the death of Osiris, which was was quite iconic. And um, as part of the Osiris mysteries, which would be performed every year at temples, they would employ two beautiful young women to play uh, Nephthys and Isis, mm. perform all day long. Rest- 
necessitation of wailing and lamentation to the dead King Cyrus intended to rouse his spirit back from the underworld. So you can imagine oh. that this was, was a, a hearty cry and, yeah. and song. <laughs> Sounds exhausting. <laughs> yes. To, to, to raise the dead. So, so, uh, and normal funerals would, would have an abbreviated version of this mm. uh, where there is, again, designed to wake the dead person's soul in order to move them onto the afterlife uh, because there was viewed as some kind of risk that the soul would just hit the snooze button once yeah. too often <laughs> uh, through death and, and miss the bus to go to the afterlife. So right. <laughs> you need to ha have these singers there. Uh, so, you know, I think that that transfer of her gift, not just bringing Osiris back, but passing that gift on to deserving mortals was, was kind of a big aspect of, of her worship. Yeah. Um, and so that they would, you know, hope to have her give them that magical protection. And, and there was like uh, songs about having her uh, give the breath back into your nose. Um, mm. So, you know, then you know, if you if you hear that from from her, you know you're in. So, she was worshipped in temples along with Osiris, where they shared their worship. But in the later days, she had her own mystery cult that again spreads across the entire uh, Roman Empire. Yeah. And in that second century book by Apuleius, he described her festival as as a parade with a party like atmosphere. Everyone's in fancy dress costumes. And that is preceding a more serious procession with an Isis statue, all culminating in an evening party on the beach as the priests then load the gifts and sail off to the temple of Isis. I mean, that, so that sounds a lot I, more fun than just waiting for the sacred crocodile to die so you can wrap it up as a mummy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, that that's maybe a little better aspect than, than the yeah. funeral uh, version of, of, of Isis. So, ah, uh, this is an interesting one. Um, so one thing you, know, you did not mention in this episode, but I think it came up in the last, if I recall, yeah. is that when Osiris was out on his whirlwind tour, his cultural tour of Europe and Asia and such, uh, or when Osiris was out, Isis was in charge. So she yes, actually was right. essentially the acting king of, of Egypt for some time, yeah. some years. So on top yeah, of that, true. Stella Resume was also essentially the leader of the country, uh, certainly shattering a glass ceiling, if you like, in uh, ancient yeah. Egypt. Sure. So add that to her uh, her repertoire, and that's impressive. Yeah, that that's true. I, that, that, I did I did fail to mention that one. So I, I think I am gonna go with with ISIS in this one. I think I think it's close. Uh, um, you know, I the. Being a crocodile is interesting, certainly, but but uh, I think I'm going to go with, go with Isis on this one. Yeah, I think I I agree with that vote. I think there's certainly some ups and downs in Isis's story. She went through a lot, but accomplished a great deal. Came out ahead. Yeah. Even on the worshiping front, it feels like much more dimensional. Teaching people grief, giving protection in a much more sort of meaningful way than just I'm scared of that crocodile. I hope he <laughs> protects me from other crocodiles. So yeah, Isis gets my vote on the on the second round. All right. So we are tied up one yes. to one as we come into the third uh, category, which is good God. So 
uh, which again is just character. Who who is uh, the better being? And we'll see how this one goes. But <laughs> I, I I do think that ISIS is is, is a little bit of a classic hmm. uh, mixed bag here yes. because yes, as the devoted wife of Osiris, I think we have to give her credit there. Uh, she was forgiving again of her sister Nephthys, who who you will recall, uh, to some degree, kicks off the whole Osiris tragedy by disguising herself as her sister oh, yeah. in order to sleep with her brother. That's right. So, therefore, humiliating her her husband, who is also her other brother, Set. So, <laughs> so it's complicated. Bad move there by Nephthys, but she is forgiven by by mm -hmm. Isis. Yep. Um, you know, she saves that little rich boy after the scorpion bodyguards uh get a little bit out of hand. So, so class move there, yeah. I think. Um, you know, both Isis and Horus, you know, were not above bending the rules uh in their contests with Set. Uh, but, but I think we, we need to cut them a bit of slack because uh what a bad ruler. Sort of fratricidal jerk set was for sure. That <laughs> maybe maybe the ends did justify the means, but but they they were not a, again not above bending the rules themselves. Um, and I I think the the big black mark against her is you know she did raw a little dirty with the old spit yeah. snake trick. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know her and her motives. Uh, whatever they were, um. You know, maybe we're a little bit selfish uh, to kind of play play that kind of trick on the creator deity. So I I think that's the one point where she gets points off. Otherwise, she was you know good to the poor, um, a healer, magician, but uh, she 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 could have a little bit of a dark side too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Sobek would not a terribly likable fellow. Let's put it that <laughs> no, way. I think no. uh, really sort of. Got what he wanted. Yes, he you know every everything was a mixed bag. Yes, he offered protection, but he was also responsible for creating all the scary stuff he needed protection <laughs> from. Not unlike ISIS and the sort of the, the, the snake situation where yeah, yeah. she provides the comfort for the disease that she herself caused. Right. Uh, you know there are some upward parts as on the other part of the mixed bag with uh, with Sobek. So of course he helped put Osiris back together again, depending on which version of the story you hear. But he was right. given credit for that. And of course, as a version of Ra, he was he got credit not just for being the creator of gods and people, but also helping perform that ultimate task that you mentioned of making the sun go up and down every day. Meaningful work. So we had that in his life. Yeah. Although it does seem worth pointing out that it feels like every episode has certain other factor, other figures who are involved in that whole sunbark thing. So this is pretty much <laughs> yeah. more of a group effort. I don't remember. Yeah, it's a team, team, team sport. I, I don't sure. recall Helios having that much help in season one. He was sort of, you know, maybe his ne'er do well son for a little while, but that didn't <laughs> end well. So no, uh, even in the raw percentage, he still seemed to have had a lot of help. But I think, I think you're right. About, I think there's a lot of neutralizing here between the two. I think even with ISIS being pretty sneaky. I think her motivations, while questionable, were still coming from a decent place. You know, I I can respect right. wanting to give your 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 son a leg up. I can certainly respect if it's a little warm out, wanting to put the AC on and and, and <laughs> pressure. You know, but I think to her credit, and maybe this is a part of character too, she goes straight after Ra. I mean, she's not messing around with underlings. You know, she's coming straight from the the camp of the wire. You go come at the king, you best not miss. All right now, she pulls it off. So. I, I give her points for that. So I think uh, given the many character defects of Sobek, 
with a few little shiny parts on the edges, I think Isis gets my vote. Uh, while complicated, I think she has the better character. Yeah, I, 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 I have to, I have to agree. Uh, I, I think overall, she, you know, she does pretty well. She, she had to take, she felt she, she had to take that shot at Raw for the family. That's you know, right. for the family. That's right. Or, 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 or to fight glow the first version of global warming. There you go. Uh, <laughs> who knows was. how bad things would be now if she hadn't if she hadn't accomplished that. Yeah, exactly. So, so, all right. I think we're we're, we're giving that one to her, and that gives us two, two to one, mm-hmm. and takes us on to iconography. So, um, I think I think you're gonna go go first in this one, and iconography is again the better legacy. Yes. Uh, that lives with us to today. So yes. uh, what do you have on so far? And a reminder that in season two, these the, the legacies of these Egyptian figures aren't quite as rich and plentiful as maybe some of those uh, Greco-Roman styles. Sure. So sometimes we've got to reach a little bit. But uh, I have to point out, and this was this has been nagging at me the whole time, seeing the name Sobek has constantly reminded me of the character Walter Sobchak, who, of course, is the... <laughs> John Goodman character from the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Um, and you know, like Sobek has a bit of a temper. He's a little bit prone to destruction. Uh, so I I, I don't see it's technically part of that legacy, but I, <laughs> I still see them as as at least cousins. Uh Sobek is is a very minor character in a DC comic series. So still recognizably uh with the crocodile head, hangs out with with Black Adam, who of course is the guy oh, from good. the Dwayne Johnson movie that nobody saw, but yeah. uh, he's sort of that entourage. He was sort of a pet at first, but then becomes more powerful. He eventually rises in the comic book series to also become the fourth horseman of the apocalypse for some reason, uh, which is famine. A- an odd choice considering his own dietary habits, right, which are right. which are robust. Uh, but for whatever reason in this comic book series, he he gets promoted up to uh, a horseman of the apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, there is a type of moth found in Oregon called the <laughs> Simpistus Sobek. Yeah. Don't have anything else to say on that, but it's a moth. Um, this is now I'm going to delve into some of your favorite departments here a little bit. Uh, there is a book called Sobek on Amazon. Uh, it's a novel. It is under the it's classified under the genre dark gay romantic suspense, which I okay very specific yeah genre. I on. will admit I did not investigate further into the book um, right. mainly because I didn't want to tip off the Amazon algorithm to surface some previously browsed items in the Amazon account that I share with my wife. I just, there's a lot of explanation there I'd rather avoid. So uh, I did see the cover. It's part of a series called Malicious Gods of Egypt. All right. And also on the cover was just a shirtless man who is so muscular he can barely fit on, on the cover of the book. Not even a crocodile head in sight. So they're, they're barely even trying. But right. there is a, there is this installation in what we'll loosely call literature yeah. uh, in that series. Uh Sobek is a brand of brown leather desktop humidors. Very important when you yeah. you, know, you need to have your cigar not only at the right humidity but also within instant arm's reach. Uh, and again, right from your from your neck of the woods, uh, the Sobek is the name of an all-terrain karambit knife from a company called Opus Knives and Design because the blade resembles a crocodile head. Oh, and nice. unsurprisingly, it comes with a very good-looking holster. So nice. Good holster game in terms of uh, of legacy here. Uh, sadly, because we have to fold in the crocodile as an animal, uh, some not great examples here. Elton John, Crocodile Rock, probably the worst <laughs> Elton John song. It, 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 definitely the worst, bottom three. Uh, the worst footwear 
are those plastic monstrosities known as Crocs. So very bottom of the barrel for both of those. But on the plus side, we'll end with a historical figure, Joseph Sobek, who was the inventor of racquetball. Not only that, but the first person inducted into the Racquetball Hall of Fame, which I would say seems fitting. Yeah. <laughs> so a bit of a eclectic mix yeah. of yeah, yeah, but so so knives, racquetball, uh dark gay <laughs> romantic suspense, it's all there. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Some 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 interesting things there. So uh you know, as I said, I'm just just back from from London as, as we're recording this. So, uh, start with with a fact from uh, England, hmm. and it's this dub- double fact here that the reserve rowing crew for Oxford University is called ISIS. Really, after a section of the Thames River that is called the ISIS. So, there's a section of the Thames okay. called called ISIS, and uh, the reserve rowing crew for Oxford University is, is named after after that. Um, All right. Now, uh, musically, um, of course, there is the song ISIS by Bob Dylan, which uh, is not a well-known song, but but no. it is, is, is uh, one of his 70s uh, hits, okay. I believe, or hits, one of his 70s songs, I believe. Um, and then there is... Isis the band and uh I and this is a a former band from from uh Boston Massachusetts mm. is a post metal band uh the band borrowed from and helped evolve the post metal sound uh pioneered by such bands as Neurosis and Godflesh characterized by lengthy songs that focus on repetition okay so right. if you well in in vo- uh, you know, have a lengthy, repetitious song. Uh, I can kind of look those guys up. Post metal, uh, okay. And, and I, I did not do that for for different reasons, but I also <laughs> didn't want the the Spotify algorithms yes. to, to to learn anything about that. <laughs> You're right. Uh, um. So Squish Mallows uh makes an ISIS spotted seal stuffed super plush toy. Oh. So so there there's a a Squishmallow stuffed isis spotted uh seal um so then we had a denver connection uh in the last episode you'll call in, in iconography uh with uh thoth and, and a group there had a correspondence course that's so, right and this this is another denver connection uh that the goddess isis books and gifts uh is is a store in denver and it has been quote, a premier metaphysical source on the World Wide Web and in Denver for over 40 years at Goddess Isis Books, all world spiritual traditions and healing methods are honored as we seek to bring ancient wisdom into the modern world, part library, part apothecary, part temple. (laughs) We provide all the tools for your soul's journey. Books, oracles, crystals, singing bowls, Native drums, sacred art, um, so on and so on. At ISIS, we have everything from angels to Zen. So <laughs> impressive. Very impressive. Another another Denver connection. Uh, so there is an ISIS perfume line, and that mm-hmm. is made uh by the fine people at Perfume Lion. Um, and again, in that vein, there are the ISIS Fashion Awards, uh, which is 
an award show, uh, a fashion award show for accessories only. Um, no, no, no clothing. So uh, there is an Isis brand of candy cherry tomatoes. All right. Something. Um, and then uh, there is, there was, uh, and I don't know if you ever heard of this, there's the Mysteries of Isis, which was a live action superhero show that ran for one season, 1975 to 1976, uh, on Saturday mornings, I, I believe. Um, and then I, I will say that back to the names that the name Isis, uh, started to appear as a first name for girls in the U.S. in the 1970s and slowly gained kind of a modest popularity up until about 2015. Yeah. And then yeah. unaccountably uh, dropped precipitously. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder why. And, and perhaps coincidentally, uh, uh, that there was uh, a group in Syria known as ISIS, which which was a fanatical uh, um, terrorist group, but uh, they did. They that was an anagram for something, which which I forget what it was. Um, but was not actually from uh, the goddess Isis, which I, one would assume, as as they were uh, very very much not of that tradition. So no. And so I remember that, that group was also known as ISIL by some. Yes, yeah, so the, the the Obama administration always yes. always made, made, I always assumed the president it. Obama was just being careful to protect the reputation of the goddess Isis. Yes, in that I, preference I, to his credit. Yeah, to to his credit, yeah, for, for sure. So, uh, you know, both both some some interesting uh uh things there. Uh, <laughs> Isis, you know, she did have that network television show. Uh, yeah. only, only lasted one season. I uh, can't say that was a little before my time. I was probably more Sesame Street Electric Company at that I, uh, that I, phase. In preparation for this, I, I I did watch the pilot episode on YouTube. <laughs> okay, yeah. of that. Did it feel uh, like a one one and done uh, type of show? One yeah, it, it felt like like maybe twenty two episodes was <laughs> twenty one episodes too long uh, for for that. But uh, you know, it, we may see some inspiration from from that show show up in just a minute here. There you go. Uh, so yeah, the, you know. I think I am going to have to go with ISIS again uh, on yeah. this one. Um, you know, both not stellar, but uh, you know, they like, really never saw at any point the name Sobek take no. take off. I I, I think that's right. I think ISIS gets the edge, and I and I was a little surprised because I I kind of vaguely remember when the Syrian group came up, the terrorist group. I remember thinking, hearing, seeing articles. There were lots of businesses, you know, ISIS florists and, 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 you know, small businesses named after yeah. the goddess that really yeah. got into trouble for having that name. Right. You know, in the same way that if you had had like, you know, the COVID butcher shop a few years later, <laughs> you might want to consider rebranding, but yeah. uh, good to hear that all those, all those ISIS branded things are still, uh, still doing fine. Even, yeah, even still, still, pick up. Yeah, still around. Yeah. And I think, can I will say, say the name ISIS has started to trickle back up. So, so she, I think she's going to outlive that group and, and, and just be fine. I mean, ISIS lost, didn't they? Didn't we beat they, them? Yeah, they're 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 pretty much gone from my okay. understanding. Okay. Yeah. Well, then let's bring it back. Yeah. Bring... <laughs> ISIS's return. Let's bring it. Right. So, all right. So, we, so we that puts us at three to one. So, 
ISIS has has secured the victory. Yes. Um, but we still have one round to go, and that is the ever popular, ever yes. important, critical, critical matinee idol, yes. where we decide who would make the better uh, movie or limited series. And I'm going to go first on this one. And you know, I think that 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 Secrets of ISIS, as I said, I, I watched the uh, uh, the pilot episode, and it did gr- uh, lay some some groundwork. Uh, for me um and in the show uh it, it is a egyptologist who discovers an amulet of isis and that gives her uh isis pow- the powers of isis mm. uh but someone check it a little bit di- a different route but starting from there it is a modern day egyptologists uh but she's she's like isis a single mother Mm. Uh, and yeah. she has a son with 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 a disturbingly falcon-like head. <laughs> <laughs> Not an actual falcon head, but just, just you look at him on the wrong enough. angle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beaky <laughs> eyes are on, on different sides of his head. Beaky, <laughs> but you know, um, but you know, with that, in addition to that challenge, she is stung by a magical scorpion mm. uh, while on a dig and transformed into the goddess. So and that scorpion then stays on as a lethal helper and comic relief on the on the show. Um but staying on brand for Isis, uh, she still leads that double life as a struggling mortal single mother, hmm. balancing work, motherhood, and fighting the forces of chaos. So uh first episode, uh in her archaeologist job, uh, she's, you know, have her negotiating the return of some ill-gotten Egyptian artifacts uh, to be repatriated to Egypt out of a London museum. Uh, but, you know, negotiations are hit a bit of a snag. Uh, but meanwhile, the coronation of the new King Charles is set to take place. Oh, timely. Yes. But Isis learns... Uh, of a plot by some neo-Puritans to kill the king oh, no. and declare a second Puritan Republic in England. That can't happen. But Isis, as we know, is is a diehard royalist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Her name means throne, after That's all. Right. So. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And no, no fan of, of the Christian Puritans, I would I would imagine. So she steps in and with the help of her scorpion sidekick, uh dramatically saves the day in the middle of the coronation crushing uh the puritan uh rebellion so then um returning to her mortal work the next day somehow no one notices uh that she looks just like the magic wielding goddess that saved the royal family on international television the day before because she is after all wearing glasses <laughs> yeah, so. of course <laughs> Who could tell? No. Uh, but the newfound respect of ancient Egypt in the wake of those dramatic events is able to get the artifacts that artifacts that she was after and return them to Egypt. The happy conclusion of nice. the first episode. Um, and I was thinking Anna de Armas uh, would be perfect for the role of Isis. Absolutely, sign me up. Yeah. Uh, so action figure. So. That, that's what I got. 
Very nice. God save the king. And and, and <laughs> rip from the headlines, as it were. <laughs> yes. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Well, yeah, yes. At least the event. Certainly not, not the near Puritan revolution. Right. Excellent. Well, without for for Sobek, uh, for Matt and Adam, we, we we dip back into the uh the romantic comedy, the time-honored tradition of romantic tales. You know, we know the kind of story where certain women typically are the protagonists. They're unlucky in love because they can't help but wonder if their suitors are interested in their minds or merely their bodies. But we're going to switch that around a little bit and we're going to put that type of story on Sobek. So it's a twist on that tale. Uh-huh. And we're going to encounter Sobek as a, you know, single guy in his attempts to navigate life and love in modern day New York City, which of course has two different rivers. So he'd feel very comfortable there, very much at home. And we follow on his romantic travails as he as he looks for a mate who will love him, not for his crocodile exterior, but what's on the inside instead. So at first he he tries to date an attractive young dentist. And first they hit it off well, but eventually it becomes clear that she's mostly interested not in his personality, but in his teeth. After all, as a crocodile, of course, he's got some of the sharpest teeth in nature, and he does not use them to chew his food because they only go up and down, not sideways. So he has to swallow his food whole without chewing it. She's also drawn to the fact that a typical crocodile goes through 4,000 teeth in a lifetime, which is kind of a dentist's dream. So <laughs> soon realizes that's not going to be a match. So next, he, he falls for a beautiful chef who works at a Michelin star restaurant. Again, starts really promisingly, but eventually it's very clear she's not taken by his, his dry sense of humor or his sense of style. Uh, but rather his practice of, of eating her delicate creations in the midst of their lovemaking. Uh, he can't he can't help but do both. Uh, so at long last, you know, Sobek is really trying, but he forms a relationship at last with a sexy cardiologist. Very promising. And she actually admits she desires him not for his gruff exterior, not for his idiosyncratic habits, but for his heart. And just when it looks like he's finally going to land love, her true motivation is revealed. She is, in fact, the cardiologist interested in his crocodile heart, all right. But only because, unlike that of other reptiles, it has not three but four chambers. <laughs> so tragically, she is, in fact, smitten with his two atria and two ventricles, not the emotions that are stirred by them. So while, yes, that complex blood circulation system is great for staying underwater for long periods of time, it ends up being just one more distraction from finding the woman of his dreams. And those episodes continue week after week. So tune in, keep keep one eye open, if you will, for Crock of Love, a romantic yeah. tragedy coming to National Geographic after hours this summer. <laughs> Excellent. Wow. So, yeah, just romance plus crocodile facts. Can't <laughs> lose. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that has an interesting take on that. Yeah. Yes. Unexpected. So I I uh, I don't know I'm, I'm torn on this one both both pretty promising both uh, action packed in their own ways uh, yeah I suspect yours would make better television I think the... <laughs> well if you, you, you throw Bonnie Prince Charlie in there you know yeah that's that's right that's that's ratings gold out of the gate so <laughs> I think I think I will give the nod to ISIS on that one uh you know I'm I'm gonna I will, let's I'll split the vote so we'll okay. split the vote on that. So uh, we'll, we'll place that one as a tie. We'll give uh, the, the lovelorn Sobek <laughs> uh, a, a vote. And, and that brings us 3-1-1 uh, with uh, Isis coming out on, on top. Uh, but a game effort by uh, 
by Sobek there. He went down chomping. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Well, well, so the golden ale rightly goes to Isis yep. in a relatively close finish, uh, but certainly a hard-fought battle on both sides. But we'll give All it right. that. Very good. Well, I think that that concludes that our business it, yeah. for episode four. So as uh, as always, excellent, excellent job, Andrew. Pleasure. Uh, Thank you. Our thanks to Andy Snow, who I had the pleasure of having a couple beers with last night, and he's doing nice. well. Thanks for the theme music there. And of course, a reminder: you know where to find us. Tell your friends. Write a good review. All those things. Yeah. The socials. Now you've Spread got to word. go to the social media. Go to the Twitter feed so you can see all these images that Andrew and, and I were describing. Uh, and of course, we are now in volume two also of the God versus God playlist. We're now in uh, Rock Like an Egyptian, volume two. So so look <laughs> for this, the link to that on the website. You yeah, can't meet it. coming out. So uh, Andrew, look forward to seeing you in the flesh very soon. Uh, yeah. In the meantime, folks, thank you for listening. And uh, episode five should should just be right around the corner once we're back from our travels and, and done visiting yet another pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All thank right. you folks for listening. We will see you soon. Bye.